Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian. Yes, sir. And uh, we're without Ziggy today. It's a sad day. Yeah, it's a sad day. He is actually, a lot of people don't know this about him, but he actually is uh, learning the art of pizza tossing. <laughs> and he, there's a convention that he's gone to. Uh, and he texted me, let me know he's, he's doing well. But it was the third day into it where he realized you weren't supposed to put the sauce on before you toss. <laughs> and so it got a little messy there for a bit, but now he's, he's a slow learner. Yeah, he's a slow learner, learner but he's a good guy. He's a, he good, guy, a good guy. And uh, he's tossing some serious pizzas now. I can't wait to try one. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, all that aside, we we look forward to him coming back. Um, But in the meantime, here we are. We're in ordinary time. We are. We're just kind of counting the days to Lent. Not not far away. Right. No. And so um, we're looking at the readings this weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I was kind of like pondering what the readings were, I thought like, you know, this is this will be a cool thing to talk about Mm -hmm. because there's like a really really neat moment that goes on in our gospel. Oh, yeah. Right, and and I, I kind of want to talk about that, um, and maybe set it up because I think not only is it a neat moment, but it it has a a profound sort of truth to it, mm-hmm. like that that should be, and maybe it'll help us see a little better how we experience this truth, especially in the context of mass. Mm-hmm. So the, we're we're reading from the gospel according to. To Luke, right? Um, and of course, this year we are going to be reading from Luke now, mm-hmm. um, and we're, we're we're jumping into the middle of this thing here. But it's about Jesus going back to Galilee and where he preaches in the synagogue. Mm-hmm. Now, many people know that story, but we're going to look at it from a little different context today. But before we get there, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like we need to go back to the Old Testament reading. Okay. That shows up today because a lot of people don't realize this, but the Old Testament and the gospel are usually linked. Right. The church in her wisdom sees that the um, the New Testament is hidden in the Old Testament. Right. Right. And there's a connection. And then, of course, the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So knowing the Old Testament and the New Testament and seeing where they connect is actually kind of uh, informing. Yeah. And inspiring uh, in a way. So I'm going to go back to uh, the f- the first reading is from the prophet Nehemiah. Okay, and this is from the eighth chapter. And as you read it, you're kind of going like, "Well, this is all very interesting, but how does it apply to everything that we need to understand? Mm-hmm. And maybe how does it apply to the gospel?" Well, let's look at what uh, what's going on here. So Ezra the priest, mm-hmm. right, is getting ready to preach to the people. And here's what it says in Nehemiah uh, chapter 8, starting at verse 2. Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which consisted of men, women, and those children old enough to understand. Standing at one end of the open place that was before the water gate, he read out of the book from daybreak till midday. I pause there to say, like, he's reading a lot. Yes. And those people are standing there and listening to him. So yeah. just so think about the next time you're looking at your watch, like, how long is he going to? This is mm-hmm. a long reading. Father, can I do the short reading, you know, uh, the shorter form? So uh, he read out of the book from daybreak till midday in the presence of the men, the women, and those children old enough to understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. He opened the scroll so that all people might see it. 
for he was standing higher up than any of the people. And as he opened it, all the people rose. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people, their hands raised high, answered, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and prostrated themselves before the Lord, their faces to the ground. Ezra read plainly from the book of the law of God, interpreting it so that all could understand that what was read. Then Nehemiah, that is his excellency, and Ezra the priest scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all the people, Today is holy to the Lord your God. Do not be sad, do not weep. For all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. He said further, Go, eat rich foods and drink sweet drinks and allot portions to those who had nothing prepared. For today is holy to our Lord. Do not be saddened this day, for rejoicing in the Lord must be your strength. That's a beautiful passage. Now, I'm just going to say that I've been guilty of this myself, mm-hmm. but when like the usually a lay person gets up and reads the first reading from the Old Testament, mm-hmm. I start thinking about, like, I wonder if I'm going to have the omelet today at Perkins, <laughs> or depending on what time Mass is, maybe I'm going to, do I want the fries? What, Shame you on know, you. I know. I'm just being honest that sometimes our minds drift. And, and, we, and, and that's I, not for a half day either. That's just for what, Just for a couple of minutes. A minute? <laughs> yeah. So, so we need to look at what Nehemiah is doing here. Mm-hmm. What is the prophet telling us? And what I, what's neat is I know that Ezra the priest was not doing Mass. Right. Right. That <clears throat> that wasn't mass that was going on there. That's funny you say that. That's where my mind went. Right. It immediately goes to, go- right? It went to the gospel. We stand for the gospel. We stand for the gospel. And and, and what does he say? Ezra is standing on this wooden platform that was made for the occasion. Yeah, it sounds like an ambo. And then the book was up above all the people Same. so that all the people Same, could see yeah. it. And when he opened the book, you know, and they were attentive and they, and they rose and then they said, amen, amen. Yeah. You know, and what he was reading was the law. Right. Right. But then they were also weeping. Right. And and interestingly, you know, we don't like to be um I don't know, accused or or chastised or punished or we don't we don't like someone saying words that are going to challenge us. Right. We don't usually like that and it just, it saddened the people. But yeah, they were internalizing it. Right, but what Ezra is saying and what, you know, Nehemiah and the Levites that were there, you know, saying do not be saddened. Right. Rejoice because the law of God is liberating. It frees mm-hmm. us. It doesn't strain us. It uh, doesn't weigh us down. It, it doesn't make. It shouldn't make us sad. Right. It liberate. It frees us. Mm-hmm. And and so so that's beautiful. And I think about that, like that image, of how he's reading. It's beautiful. You know. Now, so let's park that for a second. Mm-hmm. Let's fast forward to the New Testament. Okay. And here we have Jesus, and Jesus is um, entered the the synagogue mm-hmm. and he's going to preach but but he first goes and he's going to read from the scroll of isaiah and it says um here it says jesus returned to galilee in the power of the spirit now think about that for mm-hmm. a second mm-hmm. he didn't just go to galilee hey we're going to go there and have some tacos mm-hmm. you know it's like uh i don't know if they even had tacos but that's a whole nother show <laughs> no he, he goes there in the power of the spirit he was led there and and the Spirit is upon him. Right. So what he's getting ready to do is, you know, inspired by, right. guided by, led by the Spirit. The spirit mm-hmm. Right. And news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. It says he came to Nazareth, where he had grown up. This is the hometown. Right. Okay. So they knew him. They know is him in a different the, context. Is this the carpenter's boy? Right. Okay. And went, according to his custom, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. 
He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Boom! <laughs> this, by the way, I, I think is the very first I wish, I wish ever... I everybody could see your grin or your yeah, smirk while you're reading This, This is the first mic drop it was. ever. Huge. I mean, you know, we'll call it a scroll drop, whatever. <laughs> but I, I purposely read it dramatically. Like when I'm reading the gospel at Mass, I don't like people that do like play acting. Right. You know, and hark, you know, and people are waving their hands and things like that. I don't like doing that. I don't like the that, that drama. But this is something that I know to be true. And, and that is that I think that St. Luke would have been an excellent screenwriter. I think you're right. I mean, he, 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 he knew how to... Put things in context, right? And so what we're seeing here is Jesus reading from the scroll. And again, remember Ezra telling people like, y'all don't be sad and the law liberates, it frees. And so what is Jesus reading from Isaiah about the, the liberty of the Lord, the, the, the freedom of us, freeing us from sin, bringing sight to the blind. You are no longer restrained and you are no longer uh, saddened and burdened. You are now set free, right? right? So he's preaching this, the same kind of content but what Jesus does, though, what's so cool is that in this dramatic moment, right, the way Luke writes it, he's like basically saying, by the way, all that stuff, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. I'm doing that. I'm the guy. I'm going to set you free. Mm-hmm. That's fulfilled. All that freedom stuff, all the promise, all, the, all what the prophet said, I am the fulfillment of that prophecy. Now, if that's not a mic drop, I don't know what it was. Because especially where it's like he says that, he first says, he finishes reading this, and he rolls up the scroll, it says. He rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant. Their jaws are already on the deck. I guarantee it. It says they followed him. They watched him. As he went and sat down, and it's like, you know, Tom, that had to take, what, 30 seconds, a minute? Oh, yeah. And he let it sink in, I'm sure. Probably didn't even make eye contact. Probably looked, kinda, to the, looked to the dirt. Checked under his fingernails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then looked up. Then looked up and said, by the way, <laughs> all that stuff, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you know, and I look at that and I go, like, that is like some seriously powerful, powerful stuff. Yeah. So the living word of God, the living law of God was actually speaking to the people. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and it's like, think about that for a second. That now everything he said was was it was born out in authority. Mm-hmm. They didn't just go like, "Hey, that's so that's your opinion." Right? He's reading the prophet Isaiah and all these good Jews are like, "Yeah, we we believe all that stuff." And then when he makes this proclamation that w- w- I just today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Mm-hmm. The fact that you hear these words makes you go back and say like, wait, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me? Is he saying the Spirit of the Lord is upon this Jesus? This is the carpenter's kid, right? right. He made me a table once. It's a nice table. <laughs> but I, I, I re- wait, you know? Right. And there's a struggle there. You know that there's always been, the, you know there's scuttlebutt, there's, there's conversation, there's people talking behind his back. Yeah, they were reeling. Yeah. And so when he says that, I mean, I can imagine the, the power of, of his word 
in that room. Mm-hmm. It's, it's drama. It is. It's some high drama. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like drama for the sake of drama. It's not a drama queen thing. It's like, no, no, no. This is it's serious. For real. This is, this is going to shut everything down. Mm-hmm. This is going to make you go like, all right, we are now reoriented to the new covenant. Right? This is the new and everlasting, right. new and eternal covenant. This is like a whole new ball game now. Right. Things are not the same. We're no longer waiting for the Messiah. Mm-hmm. This is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a revelation that I had. some of those people had to have. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they're still the naysayers, but yeah. they were silent. Yeah. In the face of that authority, they were silent. Yeah. So I want to talk about this more um, in the context of like, well, how do we take this? Okay. What are we going to do with it? And we're going to do that when we come back. I take a break first. Right. I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, hit us up on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Like us, share us, comment, whatever you want. But the more you do that, the more people get to know who we are mm-hmm. and to start to follow us. Um, and so uh, that's a good thing. And the more the word gets out. So uh, do that for us. But also... I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzezemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Catholics who visit a Catholic church to attend a funeral or wedding are curious about some of the gestures made by the faithful during worship, including crossing themselves and genuflecting. One of the distinctive marks of the Catholic and Orthodox Christians is the practice of making the sign of the cross. This gesture, which often begins and ends prayers, is made by tracing a cross on the body by touching the forehead, lower chest, and both shoulders while saying, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thus, each Catholic prayer begins and ends by invoking the Most Blessed Trinity, and reminds the faithful that they are indelibly marked with the cross of the crucified Christ. This sign also makes each spoken prayer liturgical, in that the whole body is used in the act of worship. Making the sign of the cross is one of the most ancient Christian gestures, which is well-known and referenced by early church fathers. Writing in the second century, Tertullian explains that in all our travels and movements, in bathing, working, and eating, Christians must mark their foreheads with the sign of the cross. Another early church father, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, exhorts the faithful that they should not be ashamed of Christ crucified, and the cross should be our seal, made with our fingers on our brow in the various events of our day-to-day life. Genuflecting, or the act of kneeling on one or two knees and then rising again, is an ancient act showing respect and devotion to royalty or any superior and recognition of that person's authority. Since the Middle Ages, the faithful have genuflected in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament and recognition of the reality that hidden in the tabernacle under the guise of bread is Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. Customarily, Catholics genuflect both when entering the presence of the Blessed Sacrament and upon leaving its presence. In the Eastern Christian churches, usually this respect is shown by a profound bow rather than by kneeling. Both the sign of the cross and genuflection are liturgical acts of prayer and worship reminding the faithful that they are indelibly marked with the sign of the cross 
and that the true King of the universe, deserving of worship, lies hidden in the tabernacle of every Catholic Church. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in Church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting here with Thomas P. Dorian. Sure. Uh, we're minus Ziggy Rodriguez. We are. Wish him well, and hope he comes back to see us again soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are talking about this really cool concept of, well, the mic drop, you know, from Luke's Gospel, fourth chapter, where basically we're we're seeing Jesus say some pretty intense things, yeah. right, to the to the folks listening there. Uh, and then their their uh, their reaction, mm-hmm. right? And what I wanted to do was to take like, okay, so remember we? I know you were saying that when we read that first part from Nehemiah, from the prophet Nehemiah, the eighth right. chapter, you were saying that it's like instantly your mind went to mass. It went to the gospel, right? Well, the gospel specifically at mass, but it was in right. the concept of the, exactly. of the mass, like That's where everyone exactly right. stands up and. Right. And that there's an ambo, and they're they're in this big book. You know, the deacon has the book of the Gospels, and that's usually a very pronounced kind of. Look what I'm holding. Exactly. Look what I'm getting ready to read out of. You know, there's 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 part of this. Not just pomp and circumstance. It really is saying this is important. Pay mm-hmm. attention, and you got that sense. But the idea that that's how it happens at mass. This is what I think is really neat, and I think some of us miss this, mm-hmm. right? And. The, the power of the words that Jesus spoke, right, given power by his almighty divine nature, mm-hmm. right, that, that took on flesh, that, 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 that's, that it would reach our ears, it would minister to us in our, our physicality, in nature, but would speak to the supernatural soul that we have, and we'd see that connection. What are we doing when we go to Mass? Right, when, when, when the ordinary... Jeff and Tom mm-hmm. show up in a mass, and we're listening, and we're you know kind of you know like what I had said. Maybe some of us, our mind will drift just a little bit. Perkins Restaurant, yeah. And so it's like, what are we doing? What are we realizing? What's happening? Because what's so beautiful about a mass anyway is this sort of um, cosmic reality of maybe beyond the cosmos, but it's like nature and supernature crashing together. Exactly right. Right, Kronos and eternity, bam, just explodes in front of us. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's not just bread and wine; it becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of, of Jesus. And so, the words that are spoken are not just words; Mm-mm. they are the Word with the capital W. Right. And so, if we're not experiencing Mass that way, we're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know that that's that's um, somewhat of a problem. Uh, and I'm not trying to criticize people and lay the blame on you because I'll be honest with you, there's sometimes distractions at Mass, how somebody reads or or whether they're trying to put too much inflection. Uh, I don't like it when they treat me like a second grader and the person that reads is doing like parts, you know, and, they, and their their brow all wrinkles up and, oh, tell me why. I should, you know, and then they're like, they're, they're doing like dramatic reading. And it's like, right. uh, you know, I'm not a second grader. This is not kindergarten or, oops, that's second grader. This is, I'm not a kid. I, 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 I don't need to hear right. it read like Dr. Seuss. Proclaim the truth to me, mm-hmm. right? That's what I want. Maybe, 
you know, in my ignorance, I wouldn't always ask for that. But I think I've always responded to that. And I think that's what happened with, with Jesus and those people who are, who are listening to Jesus. Mm-hmm. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You know, it's like um, I, I think that sometimes we don't come to Mass ready to receive the word. Right. Right, whether it's the word of scripture, you know, or the word of Eucharist, whichever word we're talking about, we don't always come prepared for that. And as I think about that, you know, then it also causes me to say, well, it's not just my fault. What if it's the the reader's fault, the 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 proclaimer's fault, the person what if they're doing a poor job of that? You know, you can't always fix something that's not you know, meant to be up there. But a lot of times I think we can take care and realize what a powerful ministry we're part of. Yeah. Like when we're reading mm-hmm. and, and stop and think about it. And, and also, uh, you know, I, it's not just the, the reading of the word out of the, either the book of the gospels or um, the, the lectionary. It's also the proclaiming of the word in the gospel, in the, in the homily. Right. Right. So when the ordained person is preaching, are they preaching, uh, you know, I don't want to say dramatically, but are they are they preaching the truth? Mm-hmm. Right. Think about this for a second. So the prophet Nehemiah, you know, is telling us about Ezra, the priest and, and, and what's going on there. And the people say, amen, amen. And, and they're they're hearing this word. and They're hearing this truth. And to the point where it's actually um, just a little crying. condemning, I think, yeah, of crying. them. Right. But at the same time, it's like, no, you know, and so then there's like a, essentially a homily that says, don't see this as condemnation, Mm -hmm. but as exaltation and lifting you up and see this as a moment of glory and, and, and truth and, and, and peace and mercy and love and all those positive things. And I think that far too often, some of us clergy will take the, like water, take the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. And if you think about like what's going on in the church right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it's a little problematic, a little divisive. What's going on in the church? It's messy. And, and I've I've done a lot of a lot of reading about this, and and done a lot of talking, and I've heard a lot of opinions about what's going on. And the reality is, I think to some degree, there's there's a part of us that um doesn't want to preach the truth, right? As clergy. There's a part of us that wants to make it easy on the listener. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what these readings that are this weekend from Nehemiah and from Luke are telling us is like, no, don't, don't back down from the truth because it's not condemning. It's liberating. Right. It doesn't mean that you have to do something without mercy and without compassion and start telling you, here's, the, here's my list of people I think are going to hell. Right. I mean, that's not what we're doing. Mm-mm. However, if you preach the truth... I mean, first of all, the, the word of God is presented, right? And you read in truth, and, and then you, you help to hear that truth, just as uh, the Levitical priests and Ezra and Nehemiah, it's like what they did was explain, look, this is not condemning, this is not bad, this is good, mm-hmm. right? We need to do that. Right. But you have to do that based on the truth. You, 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 you can't, like, can't water it down. It. No, you sugarcoat it, you're... You know, I think as a parent, you know, again, between the two of us, we've got 43 kids, I think. And, and seems the, like it. Yeah, it seems like it sometimes. Uh, we're blessed. We with are. 13 kids? Is that? No, five. Is that 14 kids? 14 kids. I, I forget how many you have. I know how many I have. 13, 14, was it? Whatever it is. You know, uh, you know, 
and and with that number of kids, we've seen multiple times what happens when we don't speak the truth, when we don't preach the truth, when we don't teach the truth, when we don't do things in a way. It's like uh, you know, it's confusion. I, well, exactly, and also we become enablers. We, you know, it's like right. I. I don't want to tell my kids it's okay to do this or to do that right. when clearly the law of God says no. And they need a clear line. Right. And so so to 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 be weak at the knees at those moments is not a good time. Mm-hmm. It's not a good thing. No. Right? And so I think as our church, um, and as the people of God, you need to demand, all those listening right now, that you get preached the truth to you and to all of your brothers and sisters that are sitting in the pews with you. And certainly, if you're clergy, listen to this. If you're a deacon, if you're if you are, um, you know, given the opportunity to preach to people, you need to preach the truth. And again, you do it in love. That's right. You don't do it as an, an accusatory tone, and you don't start yelling at people and pointing fingers and fingers and saying you, 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 you. So much as to say, like, this is what God desires, mm-hmm. right? And and this is what we need to offer God, and it, and it, and it, it needs to echo and. Uh, reflect perfectly the truth and i think we're missing that to a certain degree and i think that it's there couldn't be a better time for these particular readings to come about for these for the people to go like okay all right so point yeah we're we're gonna pony up this is it this is the we're we're on board right right and and i hope that when you hear this read and i hope that you have the best lecture ever You've got a wonderful deacon doing the gospel, or or if and maybe maybe father who's not always very assertive suddenly gets like like I don't know the wind of the Holy Spirit you know grabs a hold of him mm-hmm. and he becomes empowered by uh, the person of the Holy Spirit and he gets strengthened and he, and he and he proclaims to you this truth right that you hear that and then maybe you've heard us talk a little bit and you're going like okay I'm in. Right, I think that's the quickest way to um, um, peace in in our church. Uh, getting rid of all the things that need to go away. Right, we know what they are. We can list them. We've been listing them for now a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Right, and we've seen it all over the internet. Right, the the the, the answer is always the truth. Amen. The truth working through love. Right? right. What a, what a what a great opportunity. So. We've got that going for us, uh, and also we got our Blessed Mother going for us. Amen. So let's ask her to pray for our church, but uh, really to give us the, um, uh, the guidance to get us closer to her son. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray, pray for, for us sinners Lord, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.